Hello, and in the words of Scroobius Pip, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Words in Chalk podcast. It's been a little while. Apologies for our tardiness. and We've just been waiting for some really great poets to get back to us with their poem breakdowns. In the future, of course, myself and Jake will be back to converse, chat, discuss, uh, analyse, etc, etc. Poetry, writing, lyrics, wordplay, etc. All those great things that we love as poets and creatives. I believe since the last episode was released, we held the Words in Chalk 2 live poetry event in Metal in Southend. It was another roaring success, another sold-out crowd. I think we had eight, nine, ten maybe people performing. Uh, all exceptional poets, all with their own styles, their own creativity, which is what we, we genuinely, genuinely love about, about spoken word and spoken word scene. So much so that I believe our next Words in Chalk, Words in Chalk 3, will be on June 17th. So stay tuned, follow words.in.chalk on Instagram, just search Words in Chalk, I'm sure you'll find it. Follow myself, at 76spoken, follow Aaron Shrimpton, at New Waverly Studios, follow Jake, at Jake Nathan Creates. I'm sure between the three of us, you'll find the information. Anyway, on with this week's show. Um, but here this week we've got another breakdown by the one and only Scott Cassidy, a fantastic poet um, that I met on Instagram, who does some really wonderful, introspective, thoughtful, and creative poetry. Follow him, please, on at Scott Cassidy Writes on Instagram. Connect with him; he's a super guy. And he is delivering a poem for us this week called A Glimpse and the Ghost, and then he breaks it down afterwards. So without much further freddy ado, this is Scott Cassidy with Glimpse and the Ghost. A Glimpse and the Ghost Other animals don't weep as leaves fall from their family tree. They have no myths to put flesh on the bones of memory. No fiction to Frankenstein fact, and no hubris keeping time at the baseline of another's beating heart. We do that. Storytellers made of stardust. Shadows in the shade of the very same tree. Struggling to stay warm, we break branches. The outliers, the misfits, the memories we choose to forget. Kin as kindling, fire and fable. A glimpse, and the ghost of a narrator whose voice, part progeny, part prophecy, tells tales about who we were and who we long to be. Words. Words. Hello. So that was A Glimpse and the Ghost. I'm Scott Cassidy, and for the next little while... I'm going to take a bit of a deep dive into that poem and in doing so, hopefully explore how it was written, why it was written and take a look at the sort of creative process and poetry's place in the big picture. But before we get to that, I just want to give a huge thanks to 76 and all at Words and Chalk for asking me to do this. Um, 
Go check out everything they do. The podcasts are awesome. The live events look amazing and the array of talent that they, they have involved is just mind-blowing. So go and check them out. It's a, it's a huge privilege to be asked to break down one of my poems. So huge thank you. So I'm going to start off with a quote from a book that it's become a little bit cliche to quote from. A book that my family and friends are certainly fed up about me banging on about, but a book that I think everyone should read. And it's a book called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And the quote goes like this. There are no gods, no nations, no money and no human rights except in our collective imagination. End quote. He then goes on to talk about how large numbers of strangers can cooperate successfully by believing in common myths. And he goes on to speak about human cooperation and looking at ideas such as the modern state, so countries, boundaries, um, religion, even the value of money. All of these things are kind of rooted in common myth and stories that only exist in our collective imagination. And that idea sounds a bit out there, sounds a bit wacky, but totally rang true for me. And that was the genesis of A Glimpse in the Ghost. So right at the start of the poem, I say, other animals don't weep as leaves fall from their family tree. They have no myths to put flesh on the bones of memory. And I think that bit, for me, that, that differentiation between us and other animals, I think was key. Obviously the book I quoted from is about sapiens and homo sapiens and us and our place in, in kind of, you know, big history. But the focus on stories being what, what makes us different, I found amazing. And I suppose it tapped into that, that romantic image of, of the storyteller, of humans way back when, sitting around the fire, sharing stories, sharing tales. And that lineage and that way of, of sharing information, I think is easily traceable from back then right up until now. And it certainly made it acceptable in my own head to write. I've always written, I wrote as a kid to, to process my own thoughts, to make sense of what I was thinking and, and where I was at a particular point. But it wasn't really the done thing in small town Scotland in the 90s to be a kid that wrote poems. Not that that stopped me dishing a few out, but I hope they are, well, I hope and think that they will all be long gone. But there was a real turning point when writing became acceptable and I think for me that was that discovery of music like a lot of boys I suppose that came via my dad who was a big John Lennon fan introduced me to Bob Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel which then sent me off on my own musical journey like everyone in the 90s in small town Scotland that was your usual Manchester bands uh, right through to all the lyricists that I love following and admire today from the top of my head you know you've got Kay Tempest Alex Turner, Ghost Poet, Hamish Hawk, Jamie T, and the list could go on forever. Um, but one song made a massive impact on me, and it's not even a song that I'm particularly attached to, um, but it floored me when I was in my teens, and it's a song called Hollis Brown by Bob Dylan. It's only a few minutes long, 
it's had a pressing tale, but it says more in those few minutes than some novels I've read. It's like a kind of Steinbeck, kind of dust bowl type scenario. And the fact that he got his point across in three minutes, I think has always stuck with me. And that's something that I value in the poems that I read. I think my favorite poem maybe of all time, it's called The Docker by Seamus Heaney, which on the surface is just a description of a guy in a pub but in 14 lines, he speaks about social commentary, there's relationships, there's sectarianism, there's a bit of history, all kinds of stuff. And that is what I look for in a poem, and that is hopefully what I've explored a little bit in A Glimpse in the Ghost. When I speak about putting flesh on the bones of memory and no, having no fiction to Frankenstein fact, and I think those two points are really key to me um, when thinking about the stories we tell ourselves because the, the putting flesh on the bones of memory and saying that myths do that, I think we've all got our own memories, we've got a kind of collective memory, and I think the myths that we create as, as people and societies are what allow us to make sense of those memories and give meaning to what we've done in the past. But the no fiction to Frankenstein fact bit, I think, is about... Well, I was thinking about families, actually, and we've all got those family characters from times gone by that become legends, and every person that tells a story adds a little bit, and before you know it, what was a probably a, a normal kind of bloke or a normal woman back in the day has become this superhero. There's a chap in my family, Big Red, he goes by the name of, and I'm hoping to write something about him soon, who's the first of of the Cassidy's that I'm part of that came over from Ireland um, and he was reportedly a bare-knuckled boxer and the docks in Dundee to provide for his family and that kind of, the sort of romance of that really struck me. In reality, he was a, a guy that came off a boat looking for a better world um, and probably had to put up with the same bullshit that people getting off boats today looking for a better life for their families have when they come into this country. So yeah, as an aside, uh, sending love to anyone and everyone that's having to do that and put them and their loved ones at risk in the search for a safer place. And a huge fuck you to the idiots in charge that look to vilify, divide and sow seeds of hate. Let's get them out of there as soon as we can. Anyway, back to the poem. Uh, the next bit in the poem speaks about having no hubris, keeping time with the baseline of another's beating heart and I suppose that is just a, a tip of the hat to love and all that comes with it whilst admitting to ourselves that there is hubris involved in that um, and there's the good and the bad and everything in between the poem then goes on to speak about us being storytellers made of stardust I think that's quite self-explanatory and then talks about shadows in the shade of the very same tree and I think at that point I was exploring that idea of family and linking back to that family tree in the first paragraph. Um, the next line I think is quite key and hopefully sets the scene for the end of the poem where I say, struggling to stay warm, we break branches, the outliers, the misfits, the memories we choose to forget. And I think that links to that earlier bit about telling ourselves stories from our past to make sense of where we're at and, and that kind of selective part of that. So yeah, struggling to stay warm, I'm obviously trying to explore that kind of what do we do to, to keep ourselves feeling safe. We break branches, link into the family tree again, but also being very selective of the branches we break. So the outliers, 
bits that we don't like, the misfits and the memories we choose to forget. So I suppose again, we create myths, we decide which bits of those we're going to hold on to, we tell the bits of the story that, that shine positive lights and good things on us. Um, and I think that's important to acknowledge that yes, we've got stories, yes, they're important, but they're also packaged up in a load of bullshit. And I think we need to be really careful not to, to buy wholeheartedly into that and see ourselves as, as somehow better or separate or different. You know, as I say, we're all struggling to stay warm. We're all telling our own stories and doing our own thing to try and make sense of the, the mess that's all around us. And, and on the whole, I think we, we do that pretty well. Kind of. We do, the, we do the storytelling bit of it pretty well, I think. Um, anyway, the poem goes on to talk about kin as kindling, fire and fable. And again, at that bit I'm acknowledging and again shining a light on the fact that, you know, yes, we've got our kin, we've got our families, but we're quite happy to burn off the bits that we don't want. And I think the kind of fables that, that grow off of that shape who we are. Um, so that's the kind of common thread that's running throughout the poem. I then go on to quote the title of the poem, and I'll just read the next couple of lines, which say, A glimpse and a ghost of a narrator whose voice, part progeny, part prophecy, tells tales about who we were and who we long to be. And I've had a couple of people ask me whether that's a kind of little religious bit at the end, you know, that narrator, that kind of voice, you know, and it's not at all that for me at all. The glimpse and the ghost, um, that ghost that I'm referring to is the ghost of those that have gone before us. You know, in, in my own family, um, that's massively shaped what I do. So my big brother died when, when he was two and I was just a baby. And certainly when I referred earlier on to writing as a kid, uh, when I was in my probably early teens, when I first started writing, that was what it was about. You know, my brother was always spoken about and it, it, it was a positive um you know, narrative when we're speaking about Stephen, but um, that that was key to me. Writing helped me process that loss and what and what that meant. And I, re I remember writing things about the lack of memories, so it kind of ties quite nicely into this. Um, and the lack of memories being what upsets me. Um, those other kind of ghosts from the past and things to that shaped what I do. Sorry, uh, I lost my dad when I was 25. Up until that point, he'd always been the first person that read anything I wrote. And I stopped writing for 10 years after he died, using the excuse that life got in the way. But in hindsight, I, I, I think I stopped writing because I didn't have that person to share it with. And then that was too big a gap and too painful to deal with. But again, tying in with the theme of this poem, I think my own story kind of caught up with me, so to speak. So yeah, life did get in the way um, in some kind of ways. But fast forward those 10 years and fast forward on to now, um, and I've got two two kids who are about to be 12 and 9, um, live in a creatively bonkers house. My wife's an artist. The kids wear their hearts on their sleeves and are involved in, in art and, and writing and music and, and all that kind of great stuff. And I felt like it was really important to me to kind of show them, I suppose, that yeah, you should pursue what you want to do. Um, and in doing so, I suppose rewriting my own story, and that's kick-started my writing, um, making up stories with them when I was young on walks and things like that, you know, got pen to paper, and then some key people that I met in my own life further down the line 
really encouraged me to start writing again and it's become this entirely positive thing again even even just on on social media which is where i first took the plunge to start sharing stuff which did not feel comfortable at all it has led to this real community of people of beautiful people all around who are creative who share things and i write with a, an amazing group of people on a fortnightly basis from throughout the country um, and I've dipped my toe in, in performance stuff in Edinburgh and in that kind of Scottish spoken word scene and that's something I, I massively want to do more of going forwards. So hopefully that's been a useful breakdown of a glimpse in the ghost, a little exploration of how taking a common thread and building ideas or hanging ideas off that can, can help shape a poem and um, yeah, thank you for listening. It's massively appreciated not taken for granted. Um, find me on Instagram at Scott Cassidy writes. Drop me a message if you've heard this. Um, and yeah, put a pen to paper, shout from the rooftops, write a song, write a book, do whatever it is you want to do. But yeah, get your story out there. Thank you again. Cheers. Words, 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 words.